Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Welcome inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout coach and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to the College Football Film Room wherever you get your podcasts, and you can always contribute to the program by hitting us up on Twitter at Landry Football or at Scott's On Air. And as I welcome in Chris, unfortunately, we start this week's episode with some sad news. Former Kentucky quarterback Jared Lorenzen passing away earlier this week. Chris, the hefty lefty, as he was belovedly known, uh, had an impressive college career at Kentucky was sort of a marvel wearing number 22 at the quarterback position, kind of like a Doug Flutie with the high number as the quarterback. But really it was his size that I think attracted all the eyeballs to see what he was doing for the Wildcats. Yeah. You know, the first thing that jumps to mind and I'd like people to know about him is what a great guy he was. I got to know him a little bit. He was just a down home guy. He reminded me a lot of, in some ways of Charles Barkley. Uh, different personality. Charles is more outgoing and a little bit more of a character, but Jared was a guy that was self-deprecating. Like Barkley always laughed at himself uh-huh. and still does. That's what Jared Lorenzen was. So when people kind of made fun of him and told him the hefty lefty, the Philberry, Philsbury throw boy and all that, he just, he was, he, he didn't take offense to that. And, you know, and people even made fun of him. He, he was nice to him anyway. Um, He's just a really good dude, and he loved football. He worked hard at football. The other thing is I don't think people realize how good of an athlete he was. Mm. He was one hell of a high school basketball player in a state where basketball – he was great. And, I mean, just athletic as can be. You know, the footwork, the natural ability to throw the football. You think a guy that big, you know, stiff, can't move. Well, he didn't move fast because he was so big, but boy, he was so quick. I mean, he could bounce and he could just fling that arm. He did things that was just, I thought it really shocked and surprised defenses how quick he was able to get rid of the football. Uh, and just, you know, just a character, just a, a really good dude. Um, obviously had weight problems and worked hard at getting it into, um, you know, somewhat under control. Uh, I, I don't know uh, if the weight contributed to the kidney disease or what have mm-hmm. you. I'm just, just really sad. And uh, I was not aware that he had two young kids, um, 38, way too young. And listen, would have played longer in the NFL had he been, um, you know, his weight would have been under control a little bit, but I'm really, I'm really sad. Just a really good guy that's done an awful lot for a lot of people. And he's going to be very missed. And, uh, he was beloved in the state of Kentucky. And oh yeah, I I mean, saw, you, I, you, Chris, you talk about him as a high school basketball player. As a high school football player, was the Kentucky Mister Football. He was the correct. best player in the state of Kentucky his senior year. Yeah, no, he was he was really talented and just looked it just looked a little weird. I remember when he was a freshman. Um, it was pretty common for people to come in. They didn't know who he was. And, mm-hmm. you know, like when they show up, I think it might've been at media day or something 
where he showed up and he's not in Kentucky gear and he's there and he's introduced and people not knowing him said, well, so what, what position are you playing? Are you on your guard or tackle? And, uh, no, sir, I'm a quarterback. And they're like, huh? I thought he was joking. And, you know, he never took a, again, he never took offense to it. He kind of knew that, man, I'm, I'm a little different. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy that's built like a fullback or a guard and, and I'm playing quarterback. And, uh, so rest in peace. Great, great dude. Yeah. Very, very, uh, polarizing individual but in a positive way and he for sure will be missed us. you know the giants that he had an impact there the giants the organization and the people that he was there loved him as well which is a little bit unusual for for them to really and i know when people pass they you, mm-hmm. know, you, you hear the normal stuff but but even before that um i mean i even remember when when he left and he left the nfl the, the people in the Giants organization still talk about as a person and how nice he was to people in the organization, the secretaries and the people like that, people that worked in the facility. He was really like, for a guy that was, you know, we're not talking about a known guy. I mean, he was known because he was big, but he, he, was, he, uh, he was liked like one of the heroes and one of the great players would be mm-hmm. like. And, and listen, he wasn't a great NFL player. But I think he was that type of guy that everybody just just beloved. So, yeah, good locker room guy, a really yeah. good locker room guy. And yeah, you know, talk to anybody on that Giants uh, 2007 championship team with him, and and they'll tell you, you know, good locker room guy. You know, played a couple of games going in and and just used as a quarterback sneak, pushing the pile uh, to get a first down for the Giants. So, uh, yep, Jared Lorenzen uh, dead at the age of 38, way way too young. Uh, but let, let's stick at the quarterback position, Chris, because it is the polarizing position in all football and especially in college football because everyone is projecting forward to the NFL draft. And you and I have talked a lot about Justin Herbert at Oregon and, and what his outlook is. And last week we talked about how, how teams were in love with him going into the draft last year, but he decides to go back to Oregon. And you've gone on record and said that that was the correct decision for him because there are things that he needs to work on here in his senior season for the Ducks. Specifically, when you watch him on film, what does Justin Herbert need to work on in order to become a complete quarterback? Well, the footworks and mechanic are very, very flawed. And that, you know, when I spent some recent time really studying and breaking him down, that that leads to his inaccuracy problems. And he goes in spurts, and the reason why it's in spurts is because his mechanics are very flawed. And when you lose your mechanics, it's just much like a pitcher. And and obviously, we're talking a more finite situation as um, with a pitcher. But when when you're from a quarterback standpoint, even when you're off platform, you've got to maintain good mechanics because that's going to affect your accuracy. And he doesn't do that consistently. So I think that he's got to really improve that. Um, that's going to help his accuracy and become more consistent throwing the football. Now, the other things that, as I've drilled down into him and learned a little bit more about him, um, he's a really good young guy, but his decision-making, he doesn't have enough reps there to where he's seen enough of defenses to where he consistently makes the right decisions. So he's got to do a lot more work there. The other thing that would concern me a little, and this is, going to be tougher to change and I'm not sure you can change it he is a um a very shy reserve player kind of tends to stay to himself 
you know, that is tough because I, I think that you don't have to be a very effervescent personality, but I think you need to be, you know, someone that communicates very well, that doesn't go into a shell that, you know, kind of, you know, is, is, a, is, a, is a approachable. I, I think those things are, are things that he's going to have to adjust to and become a little bit better. So, I mean, how do you really do that? If you're kind of a, uh, of a shy introverted person, that's fine. I think all of us can kind of relate to that. Some of us may have been shy at some points and then we get a little older and yeah, we, we start to just change. I think in time, while he is never going to be, nor does he need to be the life of the party. And, hey guys, let's go do it. No, no, no. It's just, it's guys need to be comfortable with approaching you. I think that he'll need to go somewhere with good leadership that can kind of encourage him and say, Hey, now you, you got to speak up and you got to do this. Montana was a, was a very shy introverted guy, but, but, and he didn't talk a lot, but, but when he learned how to talk and communicate and he'd sit there and stand up and say, we need to bleep it, bleep it, boy, hey, Joe, look, that's Joe now. Joe's talking. Wow. That means a lot. So I think in some ways that he doesn't need to change his personality, but in order for him to have control of a locker room and have better pocket presence, I mean, the guys need to know that you're leading them and that you know what you're doing. So I think being a little bit more in terms of leadership there is something that he's going to need to adjust to a little bit better. So those are the things that I see. Listen, this is not a slam dunk, you know, you surefire, you know, answer to all your quarterback problems, not quarterback. I think he has a lot of ability. I think uh, the couple of people in personnel um, have thrown out Josh Allen to me uh, of the bills. Uh-huh. I, I think it's fair physically. Um, and I do think that, um, that he has some ability along those lines to be a very good quarterback at the NFL level. But you know, the whole, I, I just want to put that out there that, Oh, this guy is just a can't miss. Sure. He's just plug him out. No, no, no. He is a major work in progress. He needed the time. We'll need every bit of this time, need a good year, need to develop. And it's not about just how many wins or completions, but those things that I mentioned, he's going to need to improve upon to make him better able to handle the adjustment to the pro game a year from now, which, you know, I expect him to be in the NFL. You talk about the adjustment to the program. This is a guy, Chris, that takes the majority of his snaps from the pistol or the shotgun, right? Mm-hmm. And he was at the Manning Passing Academy last week. Um, you know, yep. he was a he was a counselor as, there. As, and, as and, was I. I did. Yes. And, and, and he's talking to to Manning about his footwork because he wants to learn how to better take snaps from under center. Correct. When when you're in an offense like Oregon that doesn't do that, how do you get better? at doing that when you're not seeing it in game situations? Well, it's pretty common today because a lot of colleges do that. So you've got to take some work on the side and you can do that to get some work. But the biggest thing is not just taking the quarterback center exchange, but it's being able to having to read defenses where you are reading defenses as you're dropping back. And that just takes time. I mean, it as just, opposed to, as opposed to a pre-snap read from from the, from the shotgun. From the shotgun, where you know, uh, essentially, you've got to look. You got a pre-snap read. You're not adjusting it. Things are not moving. You snap it. You know, you've got you learn in the shotgun snap to not peel your eyes down, but to kind of see the ball peripherally, so you can 
keep your eye on any movements on the de- from the defense, but still catch the football. It's the main thing you got to do first, catch it, uh-huh. and then yeah. you got to move on <laughs> with it. But, but you know, the drop back part of it has a different game. It is a different world. And and the answer to that is is that it takes time. Listen, I go back to when I drafted, was involved in drafting Steve McNair. He never took a snap under center. I uh-huh. tell the story all the time. It took the first full week of minicamp for him to just properly execute the quarterback center exchange. Forget all the read stuff. It was just to get that done. So it takes time. And you can do things on the side with centers and teammates to to practice that. Plus, he's going to have plenty of time to do that as he yeah. prepares for the draft. But it's the reading part in the game that he's not going to have that experience. Um, you know, we'll see where he's at with the All-Star games and other issues potentially and the work with a quarterback guru next offseason. So listen, I'm not saying that, oh man, this guy's got a lot of work. To, everybody has a lot of work to do. I'm just talking about the specifically the things that I see and getting to know him a little bit at the, the, the Manning Academy, a little bit more than I did. Um, I can kind of sense, and I did my research and background on him with the coaches that that's a little bit of his personality. Well, that is something that he's just going to have to grow naturally into. By the way, I mean, take a guy like speaking of the Manning again, Eli's not one of these guys that like to talk a lot, but Eli again, you know, and he's kind of quiet and he's married, you know, all those things. So it's a, I, I think that is a good person for him to learn from because Eli certainly communicates well. Um, he kind of takes the bull by the horns when he needs to in his own quiet way. I think Justin can do those things. I'm just simply pointing it out, not to criticize him, but to critique from a scouting standpoint and a coaching standpoint. What, what he does well is good, but there's a lot of things that he needs to improve upon. And I think he will, but it is not like, boy, this is a slam dunk guy. Can he be the number one pick? No, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's the number one pick. The point is, is not so much who's going to go one or two or 10, but how successful they're going to be at the next level. That's, I think, are the keys for him to be a really good uh, transitional player to the next level. Is there a quarterback that is kind of flying under the radar right now that you think is making strides and and working on the things, like you mentioned, that Justin Herbert has to work on that we're going to be really impressed with as we watch them this season? Yeah, I think a guy that's off the radar that people may not know as much about um, is Jordan Love. The quarterback is a redshirt junior quarterback, Utah State. He's really good. Um, He's got a lot of physical gifts, but he's got really good leadership ability. I think he throws an outstanding deep ball. He changes speeds very well, according to the route. Uh, Last year was outstanding. Um, I mean, he got the ball downfield, average over eight yards, 8.6 yards per attempt. Uh, I think he's a guy that's going to come out early and be really successful at the next level. So he, uh, he is definitely someone that I think people need to learn a little bit about. You get a chance to watch Utah State this year. Um, you want to watch? They put, they, they, they put up point. They, they put up points, Chris. And that, that was this was an offense last year that was you know put. He, they were racking up the stats. You want to yeah, talk about? Yeah, you want to talk about right. betting overs? You can look at the overs in every Utah State game. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, got Matt, Matt Wells the Texas Tech job. So, um, and and listen, they'll be good again. And, and Jordan's outstanding. So again, Jordan Love is a name you want to remember out there, folks. That uh, that uh, in the group of five and a good program, uh, he'll do a nice job for him.
Any other under the radar guys? Not maybe not at the quarterback position, but you know, someone that we're not focusing in on, not making the preseason lists that that we're typically reading right now. Yeah, I think there's some some intriguing guys that I think are going to be good players. I think Patty Fisher of Northwestern is a really good uh, linebacker that I think maybe a little bit under the radar for some folks. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of them a little later, a couple of tight ends that I like a lot. But the, but the, he jumps out at me uh, a little bit as a really good player. Um, I think that uh, there's, a, there, there's a couple of players that um, – uh, you know, the corner, um, Asan Bassey of, of Wake Forest is a really good player. Um, you know, in, in terms of guys that I think are going to be really good players at the next level, I think Mackenzie Milton, Central Florida, is a good-looking player that I think is going to be very good um, if he's, as well. If he's, you know. Yeah, 100%. you know, I mean, if, if he can get healthy, I think he's got a lot of ability. That's the big issue. There's no question. But he's a guy that I think that has every chance to be a really good player. Uh, to develop on the on the college level, and I think the pro level he has some abilities. Um, you know, there are some small college guys. I like uh, I like uh, you know a couple of the guys at Iowa on the defensive line and on the offensive line. The tight ends are gone, but I think there's some good players there. I think Memphis has a couple of good running backs and a couple of good receivers that are going to be good players. So, uh, yeah, I do think that there are a number of players that may be a little bit under the radar uh, in terms of big names. Um, you know, I think what about a what about a Bryce Perkins at Virginia? Well, I think Bryce is a good player. I don't think he's a next level player that that's going to be that outstanding. But I think he's a, you know, one of the if you look at the question marks at quarterback in the coastal of the ACC, it, it causes, you know, you to look and say, well, where's things going to come out and shake out? And that's why I think people like Virginia. I still think Miami's the more talented team of the group uh -huh. in the coastal, but. I think Bryce is a really good leader, a good decision maker, and I think he can throw it very accurate chart to medium. So, no, and I think he can move his team very well. So I, I think he's definitely somebody that I would put in that mix. And you mentioned uh, tight ends that you're kind of keeping an eye on. Uh, who are those players? Well, I, I think uh, Jared Pinckney uh, of Vanderbilt is very underrated. Um, he is a guy that's, you know, he's 6'4", 255. Uh, I think he's been one of the better tight ends in the country last year on film, caught over 50 balls. Uh, he's got a good ability to adjust to the ball very, very well. You know, Vanderbilt's got he. He's got, they've got Kalijah Liscom, the receiver, and Kayshawn Vaughn at running back. They've got some at least some skill position guys that can make plays. And the other guy that is, uh, that is really good is Albert O. I like to call him Albert O because pronouncing his last name, I can't pronounce it the same way twice. So I love Albert O. I uh, can't pronounce his name very, very well, but he's another guy that's outstanding. Big guy that can run. I think they're two of the best tight ends in the country. I mean, I would put them in my top five. I think they're the two best tight ends in the SEC. So, um, and it's a good group. But uh, in the tight end class, uh, I think they're uh, they're they're top shelf. How much are we going to hear the name LaVisca Chenault from Colorado this year? Uh, I think a lot. Uh, now, well, let me say this. I think that Steven Montez and, and uh, his play is going to determine how successful they can be moving the football. But I think LaVisca Chenault is, we talk about the elite receivers in the country, and we know that Clemson has them, that Michigan has them, and certainly Alabama has them. And Jerry and, Judy. And you've yeah. got Jerry Judy and all that. But in terms of what you try to look for and the big guys that can run, 
the best guy that will be in next year's draft will be LaVisca Chenault in that category. Size, strength, athleticism. Um, boy, this guy runs very hard uh, in his routes. He does a good job separating. He does a good job of working back to the ball. He's a big-time speed receiver that gained the 1,100 25 yards from scrimmage last year, had a toe injury for most of the year. Um, this this guy's going to be a, a solid first-round pick, and I think he's going to put up great numbers. And what about – do we compare him to someone like a C.D. Lamb, or you mentioned he, you think that he's going to be the best route runner. Lamb maybe projected right behind him in terms of NFL prospects at the wide receiver position? Well, I, I when I look at – when I look at comparisons, I see – you know, not quite Michael Thomas size, but I see big receivers. So I'm looking at, I'm looking at that type of, he's a, he's a Mike Evans, Michael Thomas okay. type big receiver that can run. Whereas, you know, when you get to the guys that are a little bit more quicker, more explosive, that's where you get a guy like Judy. So um, I think there's, there's a little bit of a difference there. I, I mean, th- this guy can be special. He can get vertical and he's got the big time strength to be able to make plays on the ball. So uh, I think he's got the physical skills that uh, that you're absolutely looking for in today's game. You know, you talk about Clemson having guys. You know, uh, T. Higgins is one of those guys, of course. But everyone knows the Clem- Clemson offense goes where where Trevor Lawrence is going to take them. Uh, we've gone on record saying we would pick, we would take him number one last year in the NFL draft. This year in the NFL draft as well. But we know he's going to be in college a couple of more years. You're Trevor Lawrence. You're Dabo Swinney. How does this process work out when you know a kid is ready for the NFL right now, but is still going to have two more years of development at the college level? How do you work that in, and what do you do with him? Well, here's the thing about it. Yes, I would take it would have taken him number one last April, but let's not make that doesn't mean it, he's starting in the NFL this year. I, I yeah, and, yeah, and let's not make make him out to be he's ready now. Because the reality is he's not. Now, he uh-huh. could, could he play physically? There's a lot of things he needs to learn. For example, I thought last year where I saw the most improvement from early stages of his starts to the latter part of the year, I thought he became the best play-action passing quarterback, certainly in the SEC, and I'd say one of the top two or three in the country. And, and they'll say, what's, you, know, you hear the term play action. What does that really mean, Chris? Well, it, it, again, you turn your back to the defense to stick the ball into the belly of the running back and then pull it out and because you're selling it to the defense. Play action and you're pulling it out, now having to wheel your head around and be able to make some adjustments to the defense. Now, let's not kid ourselves. A lot of it was those big receivers in big-time matchups, sucking up the defense, and you got one-on-one matchups. Not every decision he made was the right one, but he had such arm talent, and he had receivers that wins those 50-50 balls, and he made them 80-20 balls, as I like to call them. They Uh come down with them. You know, I think that he's physically very, very gifted. Now, his body needs to mature, but the thing that I've – been you know talking to the coaches there about what has he done there he's really worked hard i'm told on spending a lot of extra time studying film getting a good feel for for things like for example uh against nc state he i know he changed protections about uh six or eight times in that game uh i thought he he showed some growth and they felt they feel that reading defenses and setting protections are an area where he can grow and so it's about polishing up his skills 
and having, I think, a full year this year and another year next year is only going to make him even more mature and ready. The more things you see, the better you're going to get at it. Of course. Uh, but he's really good. And then they're loaded with the receivers. And I, I think that they're that's a it's a great looking group of guys that um that that I think are gonna be uh, fun to watch. And I'm gonna mention, you know, certainly we've talked about Amari Rogers and T. Higgins and Justin Ross, but I'm gonna gonna mention um, you know, Justin Ross to me is somebody to pay particularly attention to. He was uh, he's a four star freshman last season. He was simply outstanding, and I think he's going to be uh, an outstanding uh, player this year. And I think he's you know may end up being the better, uh, the better, the best of them all. So Justin Ross, big, and they they've got size. Ross is six four two ten, and uh-huh. Higgins is six four two ten, and you know Rogers is is five ten two fifteen. So they've got some they've got some bulk to them. Um, a little bit bigger. Alabama's maybe a little bit more explosive, a little bit quicker, but uh, Clemson's are probably a little bit uh, bigger and stronger in terms of making plays on the ball. You mentioned play action. Just want to bring this conversation full circle to where we began with Justin Herbert. 13 touchdowns to two picks on play action passes last year. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, he's and they really they really worked that pretty well. That's a good offensive line that he has. Trevor Lawrence has a good offensive line, and and that's a big part of your. And that's success. yes, that's the most important part yeah. to a play action is having the offensive line give you time because, as you mentioned, you're turning your back to the defense to to sell that run. Uh, you can head to LandryFootball.com, of course, for all this analysis. It's roster breakdowns. It's the film room analysis. It's detailed breakdown of which each player is going to be working on, what the teams are working on, what the schools are doing to prepare for the upcoming season. You can also listen to free podcasts every day on LandryFootball.com. From college football, including New Delhi SEC and Big Ten podcasts, to the NFL, to deep into the scouting and coaching world, it's all at LandryFootball.com. For less than a magazine subscription, you truly get inside the game of football. Chris, as training camps are set to begin across the country, both college and pro, what can fans expect on LandryFootball.com? Well, right now we're breaking uh, down, obviously, all the rosters in college, continuing to do that, our notebooks every day, getting everybody up to date. We're breaking down by conference, uh, who are the best players in the conference, how how those things look. And certainly on the NFL side, we're breaking down uh, the NFL depth chart. So, um, uh, and putting the grades on all the players. So we're getting everybody ready. The start of the season is here and we're, we're excited to, to get everybody on board. And don't forget, you can be a part of this podcast as well. Just hit us up on Twitter at Landry football or at Scott's on air. Like Joe from Danton, Texas, who tweeted in, explain the numbered route system. So Chris for Joe, please explain the numbered route system. Yeah, the passing tree is is uh, typically how we determine passing routes. It was really Don Coriel's invention, so to speak. And, and all routes are the same for the receivers, the X, Y, Z receiver. And the way we do it is the even number routes are toward the field and the odd number routes are towards the sideline. Side so, for example, a one route is a quick out. You drive out five yards, then 90 degrees and drift to the sidelines. Um, a, 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 a three route is a deep out. You drive out 10 yards, then 90 degrees to the sidelines. A five route is a flag route or a comeback route. You drive out eight yards and 
you 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 stem your route, you show the fake, and you look back to the quarterback, then sprint to the deep flag. So that's what we call that. The seven route is the corner route, and that's what we call the shoot route, the, the corner route, the chair route. You sprint up four to five yards, then hit a five uh, 45 degree or 90 degree angle and two strides and straight up the field. You don't drift to the middle of the field, though. It's important to keep that separation. And then the nine route is the streak route, the go route, the fly route. It's a it's a straight a straight uh, sprint out route, and um, uh, that that so all of those are to the sideline. The one, three, five, seven, nine, and then the even number routes are you know like the the zero routes, the quick hitch. You drive out two strides, come back to the quarterback. The two routes, the the slant, drive out three strides and slant forty five degrees. The, the the four route is the in route or the drag route, which is you drive out three strides and you drag on a 45 degree. And then the six route is the curl route. You drive out 12 yards, you you gather yourself and you curl in towards the quarterback. And the eight route is the post route. You drive out eight yards and you show the hand fake. So when you hear eight route, you hear post route, they're the same thing. We'll get into it maybe at, at some point. We'll get but when you when you give a route number, what you do is, for example, when you've got an X, Y, and a Z receiver in that order, you may have uh, a play that's called, and you'll end it with um, one seven six. That means that the X is running a one route, um, the Y is running yes. uh, a, a, yep. the seven route, and and the the Z is running the six route, and they all know that. So uh, th- those are number. Now that's in some systems, a West Coast offense, they tend uh-huh. to verbalize the 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 type of routes, but the numbers help you to when you call the route when you call the play you're giving the the snap count you're giving the protections and you're giving the routes for the receivers and by using the numbers if you've got three receivers four receivers you may have four numbers in there that tells each receiver in that particular order what route they're running so that gives you a little bit of an idea i hope that explains uh, joe what you're looking for yeah, and each play that has numbers, those numbers do correspond to the players, as you would mention. So you call that play, you know, you call 187, you call 120, 929. Every number corresponds to something. So the guys know, are they going to the right? That's right. right. Are the, they going the to the X, left? X, Y, and the Z. So absolutely, yes. they know where they're going, and they know exactly where they're lined up and what route they're going to run. And we won't complicate things more, but there are adjustments as you get to the line of scrimmage that you will change your route pretending, depending on coverage, and you have to know that. And if you're the slot receiver, for example, you're going to have to know, well, the tight end is going to change his route here. So he's now going to run a curl route. So I have to run uh, a, a vertical route mm-hmm. to stem away from it. So you've got to know what other people are doing so that you don't run in the same area. So you call it and, um, you know, in one in, in, in a, in a huddle, but sometimes you make an adjustment by the quarterback making the adjustment. And obviously the quarterback and the receivers have to be on the same page of knowing that we're going to have to adjust this route based on the coverage. So, you know, for example, if you got a, a, a corner that's playing outside technique and you got a vertical route, well, you change that route to that X receiver. Mm-hmm. Now he's playing on your outside you're going to run an inside route. You're you're going to run a post route inside. So now, you know, you you got the safety cheating up against the run. You got outside technique. You want to run a post route. That's the best opportunity. Well, if you're going to do that and run the post and the tight end, instead of running down the same seam, may run a, a curl route. So you have to make those adjustments on the fly 
as the defense will make their adjustments to your your formations. And Joe from Texas, we hope we answered that question for you. Again, if you have a question, be sure to tweet us at Landry Football at Scott's on air. Be sure to head to LandryFootball.com for all your football needs and subscribe, rate, and review. Download new episodes of the College Football Film Room Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from or check us out on Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Until next week, Chris. Hey, look forward to it, Scott. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.